Our gospel reading for this Palm Sunday 2020 is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. I invite you to read this this afternoon as part of your spiritual discipline at home and see what other truth and light might yet shine forth from this passage for you. This particular journey of Palm Sunday is depicted in all four Gospels, and it is just an amazing part of the Holy Week journey. And Matthew wrote this, When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them. And he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophets, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Here ends our Palm Sunday reading. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And thank you to my favorite musicians in the city of Columbus. If you're new to us today, if you're watching us online, know that we offer a, a, a type and a, a complement of music to our service that is not available in other churches uh, that have progressive theology. So we invite you to continue to watch us online, listen to the music, hear the message, and continue to find ways in which to bind together during this pandemic. Let us start with prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. I mentioned at the beginning of the worship service today that today marks the first time in history that a vast majority of churches across our country are observing Palm Sunday virtually. That's just something to note. This is now our fourth Sunday here at St. John's of online worship due to the COVID-19 pandemic and our compliance with the governor's public health orders. So again, we have a skeleton crew here to offer uh, a vibrant worship service for you, but we do miss you. We do miss having everyone in the sanctuary, but we are glad that we can reach you online. What is really interesting about this pandemic is that life as we know it has come to a virtual standstill for many people. As each of you and our church and our wider community, as we all figure out how to function during a pandemic. 
Some of us have been working in overdrive, pivoting every day to try and figure out how to comply with the public health orders and meet the needs of our congregation and the needs of our community, while others are getting bored with staying at home. Many of you have had your family lives significantly disrupted, with children now online learning at home rather than spending time in the classroom with their friends and their sports and their other after-school activities. Maybe I can get an online amen for that, for how many families have had their lives completely you know, disrupted. There's good and bad consequences of that, but it's been a huge disruption. Our teachers are now pivoting on a dime each week to redesign their lessons for Zoom, which now has security concerns with apparently everybody's pictures up there, and they're working on that. Another concern, which is while parents wonder how to effectively work from home with young children underfoot, now that the daycares are closed. Some of you are growing increasingly isolated and frustrated while others are adjusting adeptly as we all live with genuine concern about this deadly virus. So on this particular Palm Sunday, I want to ask you, how are you doing? Give me one of three answers. Are you okay? Are you not okay? Are you not sure? So just let me know. Are you okay? Are you not okay? Are you not sure? You know, each day I listen to the governor's press conference at 2 o'clock for the latest updates on the Ohio channel. I encourage you to do that. If you want to hear the facts in Ohio, every day the governor at 2 or 2.15 via the Ohio channel um, gives live updates, Dr. Amy Acton and the different people across the state invested in public service who are serving their constituents. You can hear updates every single day with the facts. But each day I listen to the governor's press conference, as I have for now the past 27, 28 days straight, as we determine what we need to do next to meet the needs of our congregation and the needs of our homeless and marginally housed neighbors, which is a huge part of our call here at St. John's. But just figuring out how to feed our hungry neighbors is a huge challenge right now. And I know with this sermon, as I, as I move into some of our prophetic advocacy, I am aware that it is going to feel too soon for many of us. We are still in shock over this pandemic. We are still in need of abundant comfort and care and purpose and meaning. So today's sermon, the start of Holy Week, Palm Sunday, Protest Sunday, prophetic advocacy will feel too soon. Just like the people in Jesus' time when they were saying, don't make that march to Jerusalem. We need more miracles. We need more care. We need more healing. We need more teaching. And Jesus began his march into Jerusalem, his final journey during Holy Week. It all felt too soon. And today will also feel too soon as we pivot to some prophetic advocacy in the midst of this pandemic. So I saw a Facebook post that I liked as all of this felt too soon for me as well. I saw a Facebook post that I want to share with you that I thought summed it up, which said, this is the lentiest Lent I have ever lented. Let us know online if you like that. This is the lentiest Lent I have ever lented. This particular season of Lent reminded me of a book written in 2014 by Reverend Barbara Brown Taylor called Learning to Walk in the Dark. 
And she reminds us in the book about the use of darkness as a metaphor in the Bible for the unknown and the unknowing. It made me think that this Lenten season of pandemic has been about learning to walk in the dark as we journey from one week to the next, as we figure out how to be there for each other and how to help each other. And I think of the various contrasts many of us have experienced these past few weeks. So see if any of these words reflect your experience, feeling panicked as well as peaceful, feeling anxious as well as more aware, feeling concerned as well as content, being fearful as well as faithful. And some days it felt like all of those things at once. The great news is that many of us here at St. John's, we are learning how to walk in the dark together in the midst of this pandemic. And here we are launching Holy Week virtually for the first time in our 150-year history. So it is a remarkable day. So how many of you, let us know online, were you able to come by and pick up your palms and pick up your communion lunchables? Let us know online if you were. But if not, it's okay, because number one, with respect to the palms, any sort of greenery will do. So I'm not encouraging you to break uh, anything off of any of your current houseplants, but any sort of greenery will do when we wave the palm. You can also just take a piece of paper and a green crayon and do that, and presto, you have your palm. We are not going to stand on ceremony today. So... Um, Having a protest palm will help you with today. Having some communion um, elements to participate with us a little later will help you be part of today's experience. And um, putting on a protest t-shirt, any t-shirt that signifies for you who you are in this world and what you stand for. Put on that t-shirt and send us a picture. Maybe do it later today if you're not ready to do it now. But we do here at St. John celebrate what we call protest Sunday, which I think more accurately reflects theologically the journey that Jesus was taking into Jerusalem. There are plenty of churches today who are going to offer a saccharine sweet version of Palm Sunday. And I'm not saying that that isn't valuable. It is. And it can be quite comforting. But when we really dig into the purpose of what Jesus was doing, we want to honor this prophetic journey that Jesus was on through protest Sunday. As for me today, I am wearing my purple St. John's t-shirt. Because right now, I think that the most radical, protesty thing I can do right now is to be a Christian. I think the most radical thing I can do right now is to be a Christian who calls out the politics of prosperity and patriarchy that left too many of us across this country without the medical Uh, meal, educational, you name it, resources that we needed to get out of this pandemic alive and in good shape. I think the most radical thing I can do right now is to be a Christian who calls out the false idols of security and scarcity that left too many of us fighting over rolls of toilet paper rather than advocating to hold our government to account for decisions that left us powerless in the face of a pandemic. I think the most radical thing I can do right now is to be a Christian who calls us to continue to bind together in the face of this pandemic to help each other out so that no one is left behind from this deadly virus. You know, we've been so busy focusing on acquiring life's necessities the past few weeks 
that we haven't had the luxury of reflecting on how this pandemic is not just about a particular illness and flattening the virus curve. Did you know that? This pandemic is not just about a particular virus and flattening that illness curve. This pandemic has ripped the Band-Aid off the inequities in our society, revealing a pandemic not just of illness, but a pandemic of racism, sexism, patriarchy, and pervasive underclass oppression. This pandemic is not just a pandemic of illness, but it is a pandemic of disparities in housing, education, wages, you name it. This pandemic is not just a pandemic of illness. It is a pandemic of differential economics where the gig economy means that many have none while a few have most of it. This pandemic is not just a pandemic of illness. It's a pandemic of patronage politics where states are required to pay homage to a president or risk their citizens' lives. This pandemic is not just a pandemic of illness. It is a pandemic where the rich retire to second homes or gated communities during this pandemic where they have plenty of food and medicine and staff and they can get their hair and nails done and go golfing while the poor are left to fend for themselves on the empty streets of Columbus walking from one closed soup kitchen to the next trying to find some food to make it to the next day. Well, long ago, Jesus denounced these sorts of economic and societal disparities that left so many behind and suffering. Long ago, Jesus called us on Palm Sunday to flatten inequality. Not just flatten the illness curve, but to flatten inequality. It's why the people, and not the kings, but it's why the people love Jesus. And why they celebrated his entry into Jerusalem thousands of years ago. So let's hear this ancient story again as we launch our journey into Holy Week 2020. We'll be talking more in, I'm sure, months and years to come about what it means to flatten inequality. I think we will see historians write about this time in ways that we may not always be proud of in terms of how the least of these were cared for when pandemic hit our world. But for now, let's revisit the ancient story to remind ourselves of where Jesus stood and what Jesus was teaching us as we begin Holy Week. The Palm Sunday story, as I mentioned, appears in all four Gospels because it was so important to the early Christians. It was in the spring of the year about this time back then. It was the time for the Jewish Passover, the central festival of all the Jewish people, a festival fueled by memory the memory of slavery, and the memory of the deliverance from slavery in Egypt. The Jewish people this time of year back then remembered these events and what they ate and what they did and what they sang and what they said. And this remembering 2,000 years ago was more important than ever because the people were almost enslaved again under the chariot wheels of Rome Tiberius Caesar and all the cruelties of that empire crushing them down. And I mentioned too often I find myself and a few years ago when we started calling this protest Sunday, what happened was I found myself getting 
too nostalgic and sentimental about Palm Sunday and wanting to sing my favorite hymns and wanting to wear certain outfits and all that kind of stuff. And I found myself getting too nostalgic and sentimental, forgetting that the central message of Jesus's last journey into Jerusalem was one of protest. You know, it is tempting, especially when we're afraid in the midst of a pandemic. It is tempting to domesticate Jesus, right? So that we can be more comfortable living unchallenged and unchanged by the demands of our faith. Yet rigorous scripture study and research shows that Jesus's entry into Jerusalem on this day was one of the most politically explosive acts of his ministry. It was not a sentimental journey of palms, hosannas, blessings, and singings that we have now domesticated it into being in churches all across our country today. There are a lot of cute things that are going to be happening in our churches today virtually because we forget that this was one of the most politically explosive acts of Jesus's ministry. Jesus's entry into Jerusalem was, as we have said, a protest march, complete with protest songs, with the oppressed peasants singing the ancient equivalent of We Shall Overcome and other tunes, a protest march in the surround sound of the the peasants singing together and waving their palms. Did you know, let us know online, did you know that Palm Sunday was originally a protest? Did you know that Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was a protest? I'll share a little bit more about that to give you some facts about that, some historical facts, so you can dig in deeper. But there were protest chants that day, the Hebrew equivalent of si si puede, or yes we can, as the people followed Jesus toward his confrontation with empire on Good Friday. Jesus' hope-filled journey of song and protest reminded me of something I heard about St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis is on a challenging pilgrimage, the story goes, and he's singing. And it's a hard journey, so the people were puzzled by his singing. Someone asks St. Francis where he was going, and he said, I'm going to God. And then they asked him where he's coming from, and he says, I'm coming from God. And the people ask, and why do you sing? And St. Francis said, I sing to keep from losing my way. I sing to keep from losing my way. Another pastor wrote that that's his image of Jesus as Jesus is entering Jerusalem. The sun is out, maybe like it was yesterday. The birds are singing, the dogs are barking, and children are laughing. And it's a beautiful spring day for a protest, and Jesus is singing and chanting with the community. He knows where he's coming from, and he knows where he's going. His eyes are fixed on God. There's a protest song in his heart as he sings to keep from losing his way. Have you ever thought about Jesus singing? Because I'm sure he did. Another image that I want to give you this day in particular, this spring day, is that Palm Sunday in many ways is Jesus's spiritual coming out party. It's where he presents himself to the world in all of the Gospels as the Messiah. It's where Jesus finally lets everyone know his true nature and the fullness of who he is. Read the Gospels. Read the stories. 
And that's why Jesus' protest feels more like a parade, the celebration really of Jesus' big reveal to humanity. You thought about that? This is like Jesus' big reveal. The big reveal of the glory of his nature and the glory of the kingdom of God. It reminds me, because I want to give you another image of this, a more contemporary image that might help you combine the, the concepts of protest and parade together. So Palm Sunday, Protest Sunday, reminds me of the protest parade, the big coming out, the big reveal party that is now the Pride Parade in Columbus. And it's a parade where our church is also filled with exuberant song and defiant celebration. Raise your hands or let us know online if you've participated in Pride. Or if you haven't, if you'd like to participate in Pride. Because I don't know if we're going to have it this year or if it's going to be um, scheduled for another time. But we will have Pride again. We just don't know when. And we will plan for it. So give us some love online for our participation in Pride. Our church, you may not know, last year we had the biggest presence of any UCC church as far as we know in the city of Columbus and Pride. And there's a picture of uh, one of our trucks and a lot of our people. But Trey Pearson sang for us in Pride and a reporter came along for the journey and wrote an article for the Pacific Standard magazine that described the experience. And I want to just read some of what the writer wrote because he captured it really well. And the writer who followed us on the journey said, The parade is lined up while riders and walkers crowd together. Ministers wearing clerical collars and their congregants wearing purple shirts mingle with men sweating in leather gear and in some cases skirts and six-inch heels. Children are holding rainbow flags and sipping from juice boxes while their mothers spray them down with sunscreen. It's already 85 degrees. Trey Pearson reaches to borrow sunblock from the backpack of a stranger whose purple shirt advertises St. John's United Church of Christ. The stranger knows who Trey is. Trey's face is plastered larger than life on the banner hanging from each side of the church's rented yellow flatbed. Trey agrees. You can kind of see part of the banner there on the slide. Trey agrees with the church's support of LGBTQ rights. And the backs of the congregants' purple t-shirts bear the LGBTQ-friendly slogan, which is on the back of my t-shirt today, where it says, It's all good. It's all good. And the writer said that these Christians, in turn, are inspired by Trey's personal story of coming out, which he then would share in our sanctuary in song. The article was wonderful. And during Pride that year, someone told me that our church protests like Jesus. It reminded them of the Adam Levine song where he talked about moving like Jagger and they said you could sing protests like Jesus to that. I won't do that today. (laughs) You can try that at home. But that really is the title of today's sermon is um, that we need to... Well, I don't know how to say it now, but I'll just say protesting like Jesus in an age of pandemic. How do we protest like Jesus? Because Jesus's protest was like a parade with song and children and frivolity and care and prophetic advocacy all rolled in together. 
And that's why we have now transformed Palm Sunday into Protest Sunday, where we wear our favorite protest t-shirts and we learn from each other what our favorite causes are and the things that are meaningful to us and how we work to make change in the world and a more equitable society. So let's learn more about what it means to protest like Jesus. I mention this book each year because it's an amazing spiritual discipline to walk through this book each Holy Week. It's called The Last Week by Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan. You can get it on Amazon. It is a wonderful way to really dig into all of the theology and history and scripture around Holy Week. But Borg and Crossan taught us that on that first Palm or Protest Sunday, and some of our church members have heard me say this before, but on that first Palm Sunday, there were actually two processions that entered Jerusalem on a spring day in the year 30. One was a peasant procession, and the other was an imperial procession. So from the east, Jesus rode a young colt down the Mount of Olives, cheered by his followers. Jesus was from the peasant village of Nazareth. His message was about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Caesar, but the kingdom of God. And his followers came mostly from the peasant class. On the opposite side of the city from the west came Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Idumea, Judea, and Samaria. And he entered Jerusalem at the head of a column of imperial horses and soldiers. Jesus' procession proclaimed the kingdom of God, and Pilate's procession proclaimed the kingdom of empire. And these two processions embody the central conflict of the week that will lead to Jesus' crucifixion on Good Friday. So having set the stage, let's return to the story for a moment of Jesus entering Jerusalem on this day. Jesus' Entry is very much a prearranged counter procession. Read the scriptures. Jesus planned it in advance. It looks very much like a planned political demonstration. And I want to just dig into the scripture a little bit more deeply here that the meaning of Jesus' demonstration is clear because it uses symbolism from the prophet Zechariah. In Zechariah 9.9, a king would be coming to Jerusalem or Zion, humble and riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And this king riding on a donkey will banish war from the land, and there will be no more chariots or war horses or weapons. Commanding peace to the nations, he will be a king of peace. So Jesus' procession deliberately countered what was happening on the other side of the city. Pilate's procession embodied the power and violence and weapons of Caesar's empire. Jesus' procession embodied an alternative vision, the peace-filled kingdom of God. And this contrast between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Caesar is central to the story of Jesus and early Christianity. There were two kingdoms, and I invite you to think about how we might be seeing this today during this pandemic. Because there were two kingdoms exemplified that day. Two kingdoms who were diametrically opposed, who were entering Jerusalem that day. On the west was Pilate with the soldiers and military might. On the east, Jesus is a cult with mercy magnified. So military might and mercy magnified. 
With Pilate, you had corrupt commanders. And with Jesus, you had courageous children. Think about how we see that playing out today in the pandemic. With Pilate, you had powers and principalities. And with Jesus, you had profound peace. With Pilate, you had violence. And with Jesus, you had vision. And I could go on with those alliterations. And I invite you to think about those and how you might see that playing out today in the midst of this pandemic in terms of competition for scarce resources and who gets to live and who's not going to make it because of the way that we've structured our societies. But the confrontation between these two kingdoms continues through this last week of Jesus' life. As we know, the week will end on Good Friday with Jesus' execution by the powers who will rule this world. And the peasant crowd, the children that welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem that Sunday, they knew all of this too. So they welcomed Jesus in actions that would have been considered treasonous by the empire. They spread branches and cloaks in front of Jesus. They took these palms and they took their cloaks and they spread them in front of Jesus. And lest you get tempted to be really nostalgic about what this all meant, it was treasonous to spread these in front of Jesus because they were to be reserved only for the ruling class, for the Pilots and the Tiberius Caesars and all of that. This was treasonous to be waving these for Jesus and to be spreading them in front of him as a sign of honor. So it wasn't just a protest march by Jesus, right? It was a protest march for the people too. It was celebratory like we did with pride. It was celebratory. There were songs. There were colorful t-shirts. There was a lot of fun. But make no mistake about it. The people were also protesting the inequities in that society. The palm branches that we wave on Palm Sunday, they were a sign of rebellion against Rome. I really think these are protest palms too. So two two processions entered Jerusalem on a spring day in the year 30, which was the first Palm Sunday. The procession on the west with soldiers on war horses proclaimed the power of empire and violence and hoarding. And I could go on. But the other procession from the east with one man on a donkey proclaimed the power of love and peace and sharing and health and safety and welfare for everybody, no matter your station in life. So this Palm Sunday, I will ask you, which procession are you in? Because you do have to choose, especially in a pandemic. Let us pray. Almighty God, we turn to you when the cacophony of the pandemic-filled world becomes so loud and fearful that we lose our way. Help us to remember that Jesus was neither meek nor mild. Rather, Jesus was potent and powerful beyond measure as as he showed us the omnipotence of peace. May we remember our peaceful purpose as followers of Jesus this holy week. As we dare to protest like Jesus, even in the midst of a pandemic, all the way to the cross and even when it feels too soon. In the name of Jesus, who showed us the way. Amen.